Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you guys here this morning. If I haven't had the opportunity to meet you, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm really excited today uh, to, to be up here as we finish out our series that we started three weeks ago called God Never Said That. Now, we started off the series by talking about how you know, God's not just concerned with our happiness, that God would rather us to be holy than to be happy. We looked at week two and we said that it's just not true. God never said that he will never put more on us than we can handle. And we talked about how God will give us more than we can handle because he wants us to depend on his presence and his power. We talked about that. And then last week we talked about that it doesn't matter what you do as long as nobody gets hurt. Yeah, that's not true, that we have to be very honest with ourselves about what is and what is not inside of God's will as we seek to, to live our lives in a way that honors and pleases him. And today... We are going to look at the, the misbelief that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Now, we'll get to that in a minute, uh, but I wanted to take uh, uh, just a couple seconds right here at the beginning of this week to talk about what starts next week. Next week, we start a brand new series called I Want a New Marriage. All right, so if you are in marriage and have ever had the thought... I really wish I had a different marriage, or if you're thinking about marriage and you're, you know, what do I look for in a spouse, we're going to cover that in that series. We're going to talk all about how to make your marriage better than it is right now. So I think I said last week, I may not be able to help you stop all the arguments, because come on, married people are going to argue. It just is what it is. We're going to argue a little bit, but I think we can stop some of the fights, right? Like arguing, I think, is... There's probably some healthy, there's some healthy discussion maybe that takes place in arguments, but fighting is never good. And so we're going we're gonna to teach you and help you learn from Scripture how to avoid some of those things. We're going to talk all about marriage, 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 marriage over the next six weeks. You're going to want to be here if you are married, were married, or thinking about getting married. All right? If you fall into one of those three categories, this series is for you. You're going to want to be here. You're going to want to bring a friend. Now, real quick disclaimer, I'll tell you this this week so that we don't have to talk about it maybe at the beginning of next week. Um, next week, we're kicking off this whole marriage series about talking about that most intimate thing that married couples get to do. Dragon? All right. Some of the content next week, probably going to be borderline PG-13. All right. So just, just know might be a good week for you to check out Fusion Kids. If you've never participated in the opportunity to put your kids over in Fusion Kids, next week probably be a great opportunity for that to happen for the very first time if you're in the habit of bringing them in here. There's your forewarning. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have some great discussion, but maybe some stuff in there you want your little ones to hear just a little bit later. All right, so that's what we're kicking off next week. I want a new marriage. You've got to be here. I'm really excited about this series. I think it's going to do tremendous good for the marriages that make up Fusion City Church. If you're, we've got a lot of married folks here, and we want to help you in your marriage have a better marriage. We don't want you to have a new one. We want you to have a better one. All right, and we're going to help you do that over the next six weeks. So for today, what I said we're going to talk about is this, that, that it's not true. God never said that it doesn't matter what you believe. What you believe is extremely important, and it does matter. And we'll talk a lot about that today. But I wanted to kind of start things off today by showing some of us, or all of us maybe, this might be a new revelation for all of us, how easy it is to believe something that just isn't really the whole truth or isn't true 
at all. Now, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this new phenomenon that's kind of getting some traction right now on social media and uh, on this whole interweb net thing that we got going on. Uh, but it's something called the Mandela Effect. How many of you have heard of this Man- Mandela Effect? All right, good. The Mandela Effect gets its name because there's a lot of people that believe that Nelson Mandela died in the 80s when he was in captivity. He was being held prisoner. Lots of people believe that he died in the 80s, all right, while he was in prison. Uh, because there were lots of rumors that that is exactly what took place. However, Nelson Mandela lived until 2013, all right? And just so that's where it gets the name, the Mandela Effect. It's these things that are commonly held misbeliefs that when you see it, you're like, dang, I really didn't know that was true. I I wanted to show you some of them, so I've got some pictures and some illustrations. Can we put the first one up, please? All right, so Oscar Mayer, you guys familiar with Oscar Mayer, right? I'm not singing the song. Uh, So... Uh, my baloney has a first name. All right, so which one do you think it is? If, you, if somebody asked you to, to spell Oscar Meyer, how would you spell it? Probably the E-R, right? Like that just make Meyer. It just sounds like, no, you'd be wrong. It's, it's actually like Mayer, like John. Like it's like John Mayer, like Oscar Mayer. It's spelled a little different. All right, so again, just maybe you thought, oh, well, it's probably spelled with an E. That, that one's not a great one. All right, next one. Let's look at the next one. All right, Curious George, tail or no tail? He's a monkey, tail or no tail? No tail. Curious George doesn't have a tail. But you probably thought he'd see. All right. Mandela effect. You thought it was true. You were wrong. All right. Fruit loops, right? They're fruit flavored, right? So I, but, but would you be alarmed to find out that fruit is actually spelled F-R-O-O-T in fruit loops? Would that, would that shock you to find that out? Like if I was asking, if I was writing it out on a text, buy me some fruit loops. I ain't spelling it O-O-T. One, because I'm a grammar Nazi, and two, because that's just weird. All right, so, all right, next, what we got next? What's up? You guys remember Jiffy? Like, I mean, everybody eats Peter Pan, because, like, let's be honest, this is, that's what we eat, Peter Pan. But remember Jiffy? It's like, it's like the other peanut butter, right? It's Jiffy peanut butter, right? Can we show the picture of what it really is? It's not Jiffy, it's just Jif. How many people ever called it Jiffy peanut butter? Come on, show, come on, be honest. Yeah, you thought it was Jiffy, right? All right. One more, or a couple more. All right, the Monopoly man. Dude's got a monocle, right? Remember the little dude with the monocle? Yeah, there's no monocle. The, the one on the right is correct. There's, he doesn't wear a monocle. All right, we got to hit next one. All right, remember, all right, famous line. Famous line from Silence of the Lambs is when he, when he meets Clarice, right? And what does he say? Hello, Clarice. Right, you've heard that, right? you heard that? He never says hello, Clarice. Never. It's like the most like, commonly held line from the movie that wasn't in the movie. All right, Mandela effect. See how easy it is for you to believe stuff that's not true? All right, what's next? All right, so all right, Snow White, all right, everybody, where's my Disney fans? Disney fans? All right, now, you may know the actual truth. If you do, don't give it away for the people like me that were dumb about this. What does the evil queen say when she looks in the mirror? What does she say? Somebody tell me. Mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest? Of them all, right? You know what she says? Mirror, mirror? No, that's not what she says. She says, magic mirror on the wall. See? How many, how many of you heard? How many of you thought it was mirror, mirror, right? See? See how easy it is? And the last one, probably my favorite. Now, if you're a Star Wars, that's a terrible picture. Uh, if you're a Star Wars geek, don't give it away. Ryan, I'm looking at you. All right, so don't, don't give this away. Most iconic line in the entire movie is when Darth Vader reveals who he is to Luke. And he says what? Luke, right? You've heard it? Luke, I am your father. Like, I can't do it. I don't, have that, that, I don't have that voice thing going on. 
that's not what he says. He never says, Luke, I am your father. Luke says, Luke says, you killed my father. And he says, no, I am your father. See, how many of you thought, how many, all right, show of hands, last, last quiz and then we'll move on. How many of you thought he said, Luke, I am your father? Show hands, be honest, come on. That's like 80% of us, right? So here's, here's the point of everything that we're showing and everything that we're looking at as this Mandela effect. It's when you hear something over and over and over, and when you just kind of formulate this belief in your head that that's the way it is, or that's what they say, or that's what it looks like, you'll be alarmed to know that double stuff Oreos only has one F in stuff. It's super weird. Like you, this stuff you never notice and never pay attention to, you just kind of commonly hold something to be true. The problem is we are easily deceived. And here's the truth of the matter. If you want to write this down, you can. This would be a good, good thing to write down as you take notes today. You can choose what you believe. You, get, you have full choice over what you believe. You just don't get to choose if it's true. You, get to, you can believe whatever you want, but I don't make it right. We, we say that a lot in the office. You can't help what you, we say you can't help what you feel. You, you, you have a choice of what you believe. You can't help how you feel. You can't really help what you believe, I guess. You, you can help it. You can learn something new. But just because you hold something to be true, whether it's true for you or will you hold it to be true for everybody, it doesn't matter how sincere you are about what you believe. Your sincerity doesn't make it right or wrong. You probably sincerely thought that she said mirror, mirror, but you were wrong. You were wrong. It you can, no, I really believe. It doesn't matter how much you really believe. It matters what's really true. And so as we bring that idea of, of this, what I would call relative truth, that is, oh, it's, it's only what, it's what I believe, and if I believe this is true and you believe that's true, well, you can just believe what you want and I can believe, and we can kind of both be right. That's not right. That's not true. There is a truth, and, there's, and then there's everything else that's not truth, and anything that's not true is a, it's a lie, right? We can, we can, we can say it. That's okay. It's good. It's a, it's a lie. So when we bring that idea into our, our thoughts about God and our relationship with Jesus, this is what we see pretty commonly across culture and across all people. Most people don't have a problem with the idea of God. Most people. There are some that do. Most people don't have anything wrong with the idea. They don't have any discontent against the idea of God. Most people, even people that deny that Jesus was God's son, don't deny that Jesus actually existed. There's very little debate over whether or not there was a man who walked this earth named Jesus who taught great things. There's very little debate that that is actually true. Like everybody believes that Jesus walked the earth and that he taught some good things. Most people are good with the idea of God. They're probably pretty good with the idea of, of Jesus and this Christian thing. Right up to the point where Jesus says, this is right and everything else is a lie. But once what Jesus teaches becomes exclusive, when there's, when there's no other way but his way, that's when people go, well, wait, 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 wait. I know what Jesus said, but I believe. Well, it doesn't matter what you believe. If you're, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower and Jesus said it, what you feel is irrelevant. What you want to be true 
is irrelevant. It just doesn't matter. So this is where Jesus made his declaration about what it takes to get into heaven, for us to enter into eternal life with our heavenly father, to be in the presence of Jesus, to be with our heavenly father, God, who sent his son to die for our sins and to save us so that we could one day be in relationship with him for eternity in heaven. This is what Jesus said. He said this in John chapter 14, verse 6. Somebody asked Jesus what it takes to get to heaven. This was his answer. Jesus said to him, I, that's Jesus, am the way and the truth and the life. Now watch this. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the way. There's no other way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And see, there are, there are lots of people's beliefs that gets challenged right here. Because there's, there's this deeply seated belief in all of us that at the root of every person is a good person. And because, you know, he might have been mean and he might have not done, he might have not never ever made even a nod towards the existence of God. And he might have never done that. He might have never done a good thing in his life. But I really knew him and I believe that he had a good heart. And so it, it leads us into this, this false belief that, that everybody gets to go to the good eternity. Right? And that's, isn't that kind of what we hear? Like there's everybody, everybody that believes in life after death typically believes that there's a, good, there's a good place to go and there's a bad place to go. Now, in the church, we call it heaven and we call it hell. We call it eternal life and eternal death. We, we have some names for it. But, but most people who believe in an existence after our physical life here believe in a, in a good and a bad regardless of, whether what they, regardless of what they call it. And the typically held belief in so many is that, that they get to pick and choose what determines who goes where. And I'll tell you where you hear this the most. It's at funerals. Now, now, just give me a minute. It's going to sound mean for a second, but I'll, I'll clarify. I, I have a problem with, I have an issue with, when, when you go to a funeral and, and you know the person that died. Like, you just, you knew them. Like, you know, just, they just weren't very nice. They, they, there was no spiritual fruit in their life whatsoever. There was no recognition of the existence of God. There was no submission to the authority of, of Lord Jesus. There was, there was never anything about their life that tied them to a relationship with Christ. Like, you just know it. I mean, we can talk about church attendance. They, either they didn't go to church, um, whatever. There's, everything about them is like anti-Jesus. But what always gets said when you're talking to people that knew them? Well, they're, they're in a better place. They're in a better place now. They're, they're, they're happy now and they're, they're healthy now. And, and it's, it's just not true. And as a pastor, I, I feel the pressure 
when you preach a funeral for somebody, especially if like, I didn't know them, like if it was a family member of somebody, if it's a family member of a family member of somebody that goes to our church, like I really don't even, it's a distant, like three times removed. I don't know this person. And then I go and I meet with the family. And I was like, well, you know, tell me about their relationship with Jesus. Well, he believed in God, we think. Like, and that's, that's kind of all you get. And then there's a, there's a pressure for the pastor when you get to the funeral to talk about this person, whoever they were, and that they're, that they're with Christ. And I, I feel the, the weight of that pressure but I won't do it because, because it's just not true. Now, I, lo- I love to preach funerals. I, I, that's, that's terrible. I don't, that was bad. That was so, so bad. As compared to preaching those funerals, I much prefer to preach the funeral of somebody that I know had a relationship with Christ. Because in the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul tells us that we who are believers don't mourn as those who have no hope. Like those for Christians, we, we mourn, but we mourn differently because we understand that they had a relationship with Christ and because they had a relationship with Christ and there was spiritual fruit in their life, that they are in a better place and they are way better off than we are. And I like preaching that because at a funeral, we get to celebrate that they're doing better than us. And I like preaching that stuff at a funeral. I hate having to walk that line of being ambiguous enough to not say that they're in hell because that's mean. Who would do that? And that's, that's not what I'm advocating for. I'm not saying that we should go to funerals and let's just air all dudes' dirty laundry. Like, this dude, he was a horrible scoundrel of a man. Like, we're glad he's gone. Like, I'm not saying we preach that at funerals. I'm saying we can celebrate their life. We can talk about some of the things they enjoyed. We can talk about the positive impact that they made on the people that they were close to. I'm just saying that as believers, if we're going to be true, and if we're going to call truth, truth, and everything else a lie, and if we're going to say that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no way to the Father except through him, then when I I get to a funeral, I'm not going to tell somebody that they're in a better place because I don't believe, think that they are. And I think it's a disservice to, to do so. You can choose what you believe. And if you want to believe that they're in a better place and that makes you feel bad, I'm, I'm cool with that. But I just think we have to be careful. Because the more and more and more that we hear and the more and more and more we embrace that it doesn't matter what you believe and it doesn't matter what you do and it doesn't matter what your life looked like and it doesn't matter whether or not you were connected to Christ or not, when you die, you still go to a better place. That's false. It's just not true. So we have to be very careful. Jesus was really clear on the matter. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. He said, enter by the narrow gate For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are what? There are many, lots of people on the wide road that leads to destruction. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard. It's hard. It's hard to live a life submitted to Christ. We talk about that a lot. It's not easy, but it's worth it. The gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. You know, sometimes very much like with the Mandela effect, we, we, we kind of hear what we want to hear, don't we? And it's really easy to believe that thing that makes life easier to deal with. And so uh, oftentimes we believe what we want to believe because it allows us to go on, our life, on with our life uninhibited. But misunderstanding or misremembering, those things don't have any bearing on the truth. And this is dangerous because the longer you believe a lie, the more ingrained it becomes. And the more ingrained a lie is in your life, 
the more you operate under a, a false belief. Write this down if you're taking notes. You belong to what you believe. You belong to what you believe. What you believe is going to determine how you live. Right? That's, that's, not, that's not profound. Like, I'm, I don't, you don't have to be smart to understand. Like, like, you get that. What I think, I, I don't know who said it. It's like, oh, uh, as a man thinks that, that he is or uh, whatever. Somebody, somebody Googled that for me and tell me after the service. I know I butchered it. As a man thinks, so he is, I think, or something. It's like a, I don't know, it's one of those old philosopher guys that said that. But it's true. You belong to what you believe. This is how Jesus said it as it pertains to trust in him or trust in something else. John chapter 8, verses 31 through 34. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him or had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, we're offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it you say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin, I'm sorry, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. So here, here's what was going on with the disciples or with the, the Jews that Jesus was talking to. He says, hey, don't follow me and, and the truth of Jesus, the truth of me will set you free. Like the truth that's found in me, that's what's going to give you real freedom. And they're like, freedom? What are you talking about freedom? Like we're descendants of Abraham. We're the promised nation. We're the nation of Israel. We, we've never been enslaved by, any, by anybody. And Jesus said, yeah, you have. Not by anybody, but by something that you can't identify. And it's the sin that you practice. It's the sin that's in your life. Because when, when you believe a lie, when you believe something that isn't true and you live there, it, it begins to become your authority. I heard a pastor one time say this, and I think there's some truth to it. That every sin we commit is directly tied to a lie we believe. I don't remember who said it, but I remember sitting in that service and writing that down. And that has stuck with me ever since. I don't even remember who said it, but I know it to be true. That every sin we commit is the direct result of a lie that we believe. Isn't that what Jesus said? Jesus said, you're, you're a slave to the lies that you believe. You're, you're a slave to the sin that you commit because... Because you don't know the truth. Because if you knew the truth, and the truth would set you free. Who, who, who doesn't want to be free? So for those of us who would say this morning, I want to know the truth. I, I want to own the truth. I want to be connected with Christ because I believe in Christ is truth and in truth there is freedom. For those of us that, that would say that this morning, here's what I'd like for us to do. I want to spend just the remainder of the time that we have together here this morning looking at what real truth affords us. And I want to dispel a couple of myths along the way, starting with this one. I want to look at some of the other world religions uh, and contrast and compare them to uh, Christianity. So Buddhism, if you're, if you're unfamiliar, and I, I had to do some research to find out all this stuff. I was 
admittedly pretty ignorant to what a lot of the other religions believe. I tried to sum, summarize it the best I could. I'm sure this isn't a complete like doctrinal statement for their beliefs, but this is what I could find based on the research that I did over the last couple of weeks. Buddhism believes um, that there, there are countless rebirths. So there's reincarnation over and over and over. Like you never die. You never, and there's never an, an eternal existence. You're just continually reborn. Uh, into something else. They do not believe in any kind of personal God. Now, they have some ideas about God, the best I could tell, but none of them are personal. It's very distant, very disconnected. Uh, and they believe in karma, that what goes around comes around. And the, the better that you do, the better that you receive. The, the more good that you do, the more good that comes into your life. They believe in karma. Uh, Hinduism. Uh, man, Hinduism is kind of all over the place. I couldn't, I couldn't find a, a, a consensus about what every Hindu believes. Some of them believe in lots of gods. Some of them believe in one God. Some of them believe that God is personal. Some of them believe that God is very impersonal. Some of them believe that one God is very personal and all the other gods are impersonal. Some of them believe it's, it's all over the place as far as what you can. Basically, if you're a Hindu, you can believe whatever you want to about God and, or gods, depending on what your particular take is. Um, they also believe in karma, which is the, the good you do determines the good that you receive. Uh, they also view mankind as divine. They believe that, that man can transcend to a level that they become deity, that you, become, you can become so spiritual and so connected to whatever God or gods you believe in that you become godlike in yourself. So they, they think a lot of humanity. Um, Muslims believe they worship Allah so they have a different name for God they believe that he is a personal God I know this is a real quick um, summarization of these religions but I just want to give you an overview they also believe that your standing before Allah depends on how good you do how it depends on your religious devotion and the works that you accomplish compare those three those are the other three main world religions um, in addition to Christianity and in Christianity as most of you know if you've been hanging out with us any, any amount of time we believe in a very personal singular God who sent Jesus his son as a savior for us and that our connection to our God is not dependent on what we do but on what Christ has done because he was perfect and sinless he has taken our place so that we can be in right standing with a heavenly father. That's what we believe in the Christian church. And the reason that I wanted to point out the differences between them is because there's this myth. There's this myth that, that all world religions are kind of some, a different group of people climbing up a different side of the mountain, but they're all going to get to the same place one day. But that's not what Jesus taught, was it? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. You might climb up a different side of the mountain, but you're not getting to the same place. So there's a, there's a myth, there's a general hell myth that all religions essentially believe the same thing. It just sounds a little different, and they got different names for this, and they got a few different ceremonies for that. They, they couldn't be more different. They're not alike at all. As a matter of fact, think about our series. Just, just for a moment, think about this. We talked about, so, so God just wants me to be happy. Right? We talked about that. And we talked about how, um, you know, if I work harder and I do, it doesn't really matter what I do as long as nobody gets hurt. And that the good that I do is going to bring good back to me. We talked about I can, I can achieve stuff on my own if I just try harder and work better. It doesn't matter really what I do. If I, if, if I run into a struggle, I can just work harder to achieve more, right? So, so, do you know what all of those have in common? 
Those are all things that man comes up with when they're left to their own devices to come up with what religion sounds like. A lot of the things that we've talked about in this series, that God wants me to be happy, that it doesn't matter what I do, that God will never put more on me than I can handle, I can just work harder and achieve more. Those are all elements of every other world religion. You want to know why? Because that's what you get when man comes up with a religion. You get man-centric, man-focused, man-effort-based religion. It's really what sets Christianity apart. Christianity says you're broken. You're messed up. It does matter what you do. All sin is not the same. You're, you're a mess. But here's the good news. Jesus will take your mess and turn it into something amazing. Because of how much God loves you that he would send Jesus to be able to do that for you. You see the difference? Christianity isn't Christ, isn't man-centered, it's Christ-centered. There's a difference. And the difference matters. Truth is exclusive. There's only one version of the truth. There's only one thing that can be true and everything else is a false. It is a falsehood. It's a falsity. I don't know if falsity is a word. I just made that up, I think. That's all right. So if, if you're in our room this morning and you're not a follower of Christ, if you're not a believer, first of all, let me tell you that we, we couldn't be more excited that you're here. When we came up with the idea that is Fusion City Church, the pastoral leadership team, we said that we wanted, to be, that we wanted this place to be a safe place for people of all beliefs to be able to come and to learn together. And if you're not yet a follower of Christ, I'm really glad that you're here. We designed this place with you in mind. We wanted this to be a safe place for you to figure out whether Jesus was for you or not. But here's the, the offer or the, the challenge that I would extend to you this morning if you're not yet a follower of Christ. I, I would ask you to consider Jesus. To, to consider him. Because he's so much different than every other God that you're going to hear about or learn about in that he's not trying to get you to do more. He's trying to do more for you. And I'm not asking you to consider our church. We'd love for you to continue to worship and to hang out with us here. But this is not about Fusion City Church. It's about the Savior that we serve and his name is Jesus. I would ask you to consider Jesus this morning. I would ask you not to consider the other Christians that you've met and know. The ones that talk kind of weird and can be kind of judgmental and that have bad hair. Like I'm not asking you to consider them because as much as we try to be a representation of Jesus Christ, we often fail. And the Christians that you know are not a 100% complete, accurate representation of the Jesus that they say that they believe in regardless of how good of a Christian they are. So I would invite you to consider Jesus this morning, not the Christians that you know. Please don't consider me. Because I will fail you as well. I, I'm a pastor and I believe that God has called me to the ministry that I enjoy doing as my vocation. But I am a flawed and failed individual. I will let you down at some point. Please don't consider me. But consider Jesus. Because like every other Christian that you know, I am not a 100% complete and perfect replica of Jesus on the earth. And in all the ways that I'll fall short and all the ways that I will offend or confuse or make you upset, Jesus wants to, to correct everything in you that is incorrect, but he wants to do so in a loving and encouraging manner. And sometimes we fail to do that perfectly, even as pastors. 
So I don't want you to consider Fusion City Church. I don't want you to think about the Christians that you know or the pastor that you're listening to in this moment. I want you to consider Jesus. Because when Jesus was confronted in the scriptures about the kind of people that he hung out with, this was his response. Mark chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. And the scribes and the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, that's the worst kind of sinner in scripture, he said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard them, when he heard their accusation, when he heard it, he said this to them. Those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So if you were looking for a place today where you will be accepted despite all of the things that you know are wrong with you. Because come on, nobody knows you better than you. This would be my challenge to you this morning. I would ask you to consider Jesus. Because he takes you as you are, but loves you, not, loves you too much to leave you there. So that's for those of us in the room that might be unbelievers. For those of us who are believers, I want to give you two responsibilities really quickly that you and I must embrace if we are to be sold out followers of Christ. Two responsibilities for believers. Number one, you need to know what the Bible says about major issues concerning life and culture. Listen to me, church, listen. Look right here, everybody, look at me. You can write it down in a minute, look at me. If you are going to claim to have the truth, I belong to Jesus, therefore I have access to the truth. That's, what, that's the claim that we make as followers of Christ. I'm connected to Jesus. Jesus said he was the truth and that the truth would set you free. Right? That's, the, that's, the, that's how that goes. All right? If you're going to claim to know the truth, listen, you should probably know the truth. It is your responsibility as a follower of Christ to know what the Bible says. Is that news to anybody? Like, is that like, whoa, wait a minute. I believe in Jesus and I'm supposed to read the Bible? Is that like, that's not shocking to anybody, right? So consider this your friendly pastoral reminder, right? If you're going to claim to know the truth, you should probably know the truth. And, and, and it's in here. You need, if you need one of these, see us and we'll get you one, all right? It, it's in here. And you need it. Um, Jesus said it like this. John chapter 14, verses 23 and 24. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and the Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Jesus said, you want to know that you want to show that you love me? Here's how you know. You, you, you know my word. You, you can't be a follower of Christ and have an ignorance of Scripture. You, you, you can't. Now, I understand, like, sanctification is a process. All of us are at a different point in the journey. You may... But you may have just considered Jesus a couple of minutes ago when I was talking about considering Jesus. And you're like, well, I don't know the Bible. All right, start. Let, let, me, let, me, let me say this too. Um, this will make some people mad, but that's okay. Um, 
I don't really under, I've tried to read the Bible and I don't understand it. That's a cop out. It, I, I've heard it. I get it. I understand that like not everything in here is confusing. And when we get up here on Sundays and we open the Bible and we pull stuff out, and you're like, wow, I would have never pulled that out of Scripture. That doesn't mean that you can't understand Scripture. It just means you're not trying hard enough. There, there are um, multiple, multiple, multiple translations and versions of Scripture. Some that are much more easy to read than others. Sometimes there's a little bit of accuracy that gets, you know, debatable. Um, when you read some of the, the more Americanized English version translation of Scripture, and I get that. But it's still better than not knowing anything that the Bible says. I would encourage you, if you don't like the translation that you currently have, see one of the pastors and we will turn you on to a translation that's easier to read. I have a few that I recommend. I will help you find a Bible that you can read. But I'm telling you, it's not rocket surgery. Now, you can, you can read this and understand it, I promise. Yes, I said rocket surgery. I hear you, I hear, I hear you whispering. Did he mean rocket science? No, I meant rocket surgery. I, I say what I mean and mean what I say most of the time. Responsibility number two. Responsibility number two if you're a follower of Christ. Not only should you know the truth, but you should share the truth in a way that inspires and encourages. If I have, any, if, if I have a list of things that Christians do that annoy me, uh, number one on that list is that we communicate the gospel in a way that turns people away from Jesus instead of towards him. Now there are some things about the gospel that is offensive. When you find out that Jesus is the only way, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the fire. Like, that can be offensive if you believe that there's some other way. But Jesus and the gospel can be offensive. You don't have to be. And I believe that as followers of Christ, it is our goal to share the truth. We're not going to water down truth. We're not going to change the truth. We're not going to say what people want to hear because their ears itch and they desire to hear something that's different than what the truth of Scripture says. We're going to teach the truth of Scripture as in the truest way possible. But I don't think we have to be harsh, combative, or to do so in a way that turns people who are considering Jesus away from him. So as believers, you got to know the truth. And you've got to develop in yourself. You've got to practice. You've got to try. You've got to develop a way for you to be able to share that truth in a way that inspires and encourages instead of turns away. You can do it. I promise you. It might take a little bit of effort. But that is the call on the life of every follower of Christ. Pray with me. Father, this morning, as we look at your word and we find, God, that it does matter what we believe. You are not content to leave us in a state of misbelief or believing what we want to believe. But, God, you've been very clear that the things that you would have us adhere our lives to are very clearly laid out for us in your word. So, God, this morning I pray for the boldness and the confidence to approach your word, believing that in it lies all of the direction that we need for our life as we seek to follow you more closely. God, we want to be more like your son, and we're so grateful that in relationship with him, we can become closer to you. So God, this morning, would you challenge us in this moment right now to pursue the truth that is found in your word, because God, we believe that what we believe matters. It is not insignificant because, God, what we believe owns us. We belong to what we believe. And, God, we want to belong to you because we believe you and the truth of your son, Jesus, and the gospel. Father, it's in his name we pray.
Amen.